One of the most powerful ways to grow as a leader is to connect your passion to your daily life and work, to bring together all of the different parts of yourself into one cohesive leader who is acting and thinking and doing such things with their social passion forward. In order to do that, you can get started by using what I call the Integrated Priorities Framework. It's a simple four-step framework that I'm going to teach you today to help you begin the journey towards social leadership. This is the Social Leader Podcast, inspired by business leaders, entrepreneurs, volunteers, and visioneers striving to close the gap between their passion and their social action. They are the leaders among us who crave the entrepreneurial adventure of moving beyond charitable intentions to lead with greater social impact every day. Social leaders are the most impactful leaders in the world because they are empowering companies and communities to sustainably solve our world's most pressing problems. Welcome back to the Social Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Father Justin Matthews. And today we're going to talk about something critical. We're going to talk about that feeling that I think most of us have had where we feel stagnant or bored in our life and in our work. And we wish that what we did every day could be connected to something more meaningful. I remember that feeling when I first got out of college and got my first job and all I did was watch Numbers go in a bank account, bills come in, and numbers go out of a bank account. I remember saying to my mom, is this really what life is all about? Just transactions in and out of a bank account, getting up every day and working. I was hungry for my life to mean something more. And I think we can all resonate with that. That wish that we could do more to help to make a difference in the world as a part of our daily life. Of course, you've got that feeling. Everyone's had that feeling. I think we've all felt that way at some point in our life. And here's why. That's because we are all created to be in relationship with one another. Actually choosing someone else's best interest over your self-interest, the community good over your individual good, that's a part of the unique trait of what makes us human. So when we see some suffering or injustice in the world and our heart is pierced, that is the image of God within us yearning to do what we were meant to do, which is to become bearers of goodness, truth, and beauty in the world, and to use all that we have to help alleviate the suffering of others. Let me start off by sharing a story with you. Last week, I spoke with a man named Tim who had recently finished the Social Leader Essentials e-course, and he told me that during the course, he began to realize why he was struggling to find purpose in his life and in his work. He said he realized that there were three Tims. There was the CEO Tim, the Sunday church elder Tim, and the charity volunteer Tim. And rarely, if ever, did these three parts of himself ever coexist in his daily life. See, the problem was that no one had ever told Tim that they could coexist and nobody had ever actually equipped him to do that. We don't learn that in business school. We don't even learn that as entrepreneurs. We have to be given permission and be taught to do that, even though it's innately a part of us. So CEO Tim focused on profits and creating value through work in his company. Sunday Church Tim was a lay leader of a small group, and he taught about the importance of compassion and mercy. 
And Charity volunteered to him. Well, he tried to do good once a quarter when he'd go and serve at the local homeless shelter on the weekend. But what Tim needed was to close the gaps between those various parts of himself and to find ways to integrate all of himself into each situation of his life. It had never occurred to him that it was possible for all of those parts of himself to show up in his daily life and work all the time. And once he started to ask himself what that would look like, a whole possibility, a world of opportunity opened up for him. Tim could lead people not only to achieve profits and create value, but he could help inspire his team to build a culture of empathy and compassion in the workplace. He could dream of ways that his work would even help solve problems of homelessness through creating jobs or other second chance initiatives. And that because he was such a great CEO and when he blended all those things together, he could actually create scalable solutions. But many people, even those people who work in helping professions, in nonprofits or in some sort of compassionate work, those people are often like Tim too. They're uncertain about integrating the various parts of themselves in their daily life, especially at work. So as a result, people retreat into this position that we might just call inactivity, or they become paralyzed and they don't act even though They know that they want to make a difference. They can't connect that purpose to their daily life, or they relegate it to some sort of social action on the margin of their life. And this is where the problem begins. This is how our heart begins to stagnate. When this happens, someone's time, talent, and treasure starts to pile up. And so naturally, When something is piling up that's that valuable, we try to keep it. We try to preserve it. And in effect, we end up burying it. Paradoxically, however, St. Basil the Great, one of the founders of what would later become hospitals in the second century, said this. He said, as you bury your wealth or all of those time, talent, treasures, all those different parts of yourself, as you bury your wealth, you entomb with it your own heart. In the scripture, Jesus taught where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A lot of people think about it the other way. Where my heart is, that's where I'm going to put my treasure. But the eternal truth is where your treasure is, there your heart's going to be. So if we're burying our time, our talent, our treasure, our passion, our desire for social action, if we bury that, our heart gets buried too. But when we give away our treasure, when we place our heart as if it were on the fulcrum of a scale that inclines daily towards compassion, mercy, meaning, and purpose, then we find really deep enjoyment even in menial daily tasks in our life and in our work. Slowly by slowly, we begin to take social action and to connect our passion in our life with our daily work, and that leads to your heart coming alive and to being able to lead with greater impact every day of your life. Look, think about a great river. Great rivers always begin as tiny little streams, but eventually they acquire an irresistible magnitude by means of small additions, little creek, 
added to a little creek, added to a little creek, becomes a great river, such that eventually the waters are so powerful that they can sweep away even huge obstacles and boulders that are in its path. A leader's most important job is to connect people to their purpose. And people respond really well when their work becomes framed as a meaningful contribution to the greater good. But that is still a top-down model. That whole idea of corporate social responsibility is still being pushed from the top down. What's even more powerful is when the leader sets the stage for that transformation of the heart where every person in the organization begins to connect to their purpose, not just an organizational or a company purpose. That's when the real transformation can take place. When leaders and team members, even on the front lines, connect their social passion to their daily life and infuse their work with that passion whenever possible. This is what helps us to avoid the trap of cynicism and inauthenticity that can emerge when purpose is artificially imposed from the top down through corporate mandates or, you know, uh, some kind of planning endeavor that doesn't actually tap in to the creativity and to the heart of the individuals in the organization. When more and more people in an organization begin to see themselves as social leaders, an authentic ecosystem of social passion begins to permeate a business or an organization, the decision-making, the culture, and the personal good and the common good, the shareholders' welfare and the stakeholders' welfare merge and become one. Collaboration and creativity increases and achievement accelerates. When leaders are empowered to connect their social passion and to integrate that into their work and life holistically, all those different parts of themselves, and when they're given permission to communicate that passion to those around them, those leaders model a contagious, passionate leadership that really is set apart. You can tell leaders who have tapped into that inner purpose, that deeper why. And others on the team then want their life and their work to be filled with that same sense of deep passion and purpose. This is when all of the untapped talent, productivity, and creativity of an organization comes gushing forth. When an organization reaches a tipping point in their culture where social leadership is the norm, nominalism diminishes, and people grow rather than stagnate, and they begin to lead with greater passion and greater social action. But getting to that point takes some work. And awakening that passion within your heart, I believe, really only happens once we make time in our life to do the reflection, to do the visioneering that it takes to figure out what our passions are and what we're going to do in our daily life to bring those passions forward. And so that's why I created what I call the integrated priorities framework. It's a way that we can learn to move beyond just being, you know, inclined towards charity or having charitable intentions. And we can get to integrated priorities in our leadership. 
But it really does take thoughtfulness. It takes time. And the Integrated Priorities Framework is a four-step simple guide that gives you an outline to help you write what I call an Integrated priority Statement. The statement helps you to figure out how to integrate your desire for social good into every aspect of your daily life and work. So here's mine, for example. Daily, I will harness my passion for social venturing, my natural fluency in public speaking, and my professional network to make racial and economic reconciliation more possible today than it was yesterday. It's essentially like a vision statement, a mission statement that gets you thinking about how to creatively integrate problem solving and the common good down into the minutia of your daily work and life whenever it's possible. So what I want to do now is I want to teach you this framework. I want to unpack each of the steps for you so that you can do the writing yourself, the reflecting yourself, and begin to connect your social passion and come up with ways where you can take greater social action. So the first step is this. You've got to inventory your social passion and your situation. So this begins with asking yourself, first, what are the issues that really pierce my heart? What moves me? What do I want to see change? Then you begin to list those out. Like for example, for me, I cannot go to sleep at night without figuring out a way to make racial and economic reconciliation happen. I am surrounded by people in my life and in the news who I know are struggling to survive and succeed, and that pierces my heart. I know that I can make a difference. I can make a dent in the universe, even if it's just a small one, and that moves me. That's why I've chosen my work at Reconciliation Services and always worked in the nonprofit world, But that would move me whether I was at a car dealership or an insurance company or working in the nonprofit world. And I want to figure out a way, no matter what I'm doing in my life, to move the needle on that. Because that, like a magnet drawn to something, that is what my heart is drawn towards. So the first step, again, is to inventory your social passion and the situation around you, what's happening, what's moving your heart, what issues are keeping you up at night, and then literally write them down, list them out, and begin to understand which one or two of those really bubbles to the top. The second step is to make time and to be willing to listen closely to the people that are affected by the problem that you want to solve. The second step is all about getting educated. And in this step, what I recommend is that you commit weekly to at least 30 minutes of scheduled time on your calendar where you're going to intentionally go deeper and learn more about the issue that you wrote down in step one. So for me, I spend time every week reading, following the news, but also listening to the lived experience wherever I can find it, podcasts, in the news, in my volunteer work, in my life, in my neighborhood. I spend time listening to the people who have the lived experience of poverty, the lived experience of struggling to find a job and make it economically, the lived experience of racism and how that impacts their life. 
And in that step, the most important and hardest thing to do is actually to lay aside your first instinct on how you would solve the problem and keep on listening. Like, for example, you might want to be helping people find adequate housing. You might think there needs to be more affordable housing. And so you would Think about ways that you could give money to an affordable housing nonprofit, or you might be a developer and think about ways that you can build more affordable housing. But if you just rush to the solution, you might not actually come up with the right one. A good solution to the wrong problem is still the wrong solution. You have to really listen, even listening to voices that make you uncomfortable people that are from different ways of life, walks of life, political persuasions, you name it, voices that are outside of your social circle. And in that education, you're going to find the answer. You don't have to bring the answer like you're an inventor who's got the solution that nobody else can come up with. Actually, when we're talking about social issues, Most often, the solution is in the community. The people who are living with the problem know the answer to the problem, but they may not have the agency or the means to be able to bring that solution to bear. So in this second step, it's not to act, it's not to rush to what you think the solution is, but it's being willing to make time to listen closely to the people affected and to get educated. And that leads us to the third step, which, by the way, is still not yet to take an action. The third step in writing your integrated priorities framework statement is to discover what I call your unique social fluency. Your social fluency is both the masterful integration of your knowledge, skills, abilities, and talent, and the utilization of these in the areas of your life where you are uniquely positioned to make an impact. In other words, said more simply, when you're fluent in a language, you know it in and out, you can dream in the language, that's when you know that you're fluent. Your social fluency are those skills, that knowledge, that talent or ability where you know it in and out, you can use it. So for me, public speaking is easy. I don't get stage fright. It's something I can use. It's a tool that I've got. It's a skill that I can use and I can use it really well. I also have professional networks and people around me and I can organize people, bring those things together in order to make a difference. So in this third step, start by asking yourself, what are your natural strengths? What unique professional skills access, influence, or privilege can you bring to a solution? And if you need a prompt to do this, you can go to thesocialleader.org and go to the podcast. And in the show notes for this podcast, you can download the social fluency inventory that normally comes with the Social Leader eCourse. And you can begin to go through that checklist and to identify your social fluency. That leads us then to the fourth step. That's when we actually start to write our integrated priorities statement. That statement that's going to guide you in your social leadership. Generally, your integrated priorities statement can be thought of as that mission statement or vision statement that I mentioned earlier. But it needs to be something that you feel 
passionately, that you feel in your gut. It's something that people are going to come to know that you stand for. So in that way, it's a roadmap. It's a roadmap for deploying your unique skills and social fluency. That statement enumerates the social impact that you want to make from your position of leadership, whatever your leadership lane is, from whatever your ability is, and whatever your context is. Then, once you've written your statement, it'll sound something like this. And again, you can actually use this statement as a framework for yourself. So here's mine again. Daily, I will harness my passion for social venturing, my natural fluency in public speaking, and my professional network to make racial and economic reconciliation more possible today than it was yesterday. So let's unpack the parts. First, I start off with how often am I going to do it? I try to make it specific and measurable. I try to make it time bound. So I start with daily, I will harness. And then what? What's your passion? What's your social fluency? I say daily I will harness my passion for social venturing, my natural fluency in public speaking, and my professional network. So that's like what moves me, what I'm good at, and what I have access to. That's what I'm going to harness. Now the question is, what am I going to do with it? Well, I'm going to try to make racial and economic reconciliation more possible today than it was yesterday. So your statement might be very different than mine. Your skills might be very different than mine. Your area of passion might be very different than mine. But by using that four-step framework, you can then create this integrated priorities statement. And my encouragement to you is to put it where you're going to see it every day. Because a social leader takes that statement and then works to develop habits and systems and processes and, and routines around their integrated priorities so that the priorities and that statement become, as it were, a lens through which every new opportunity, every new project is viewed and evaluated. And when you do that, you begin to discover, like Tim did that I mentioned earlier, that there is much more possible in your daily life than you imagine that there could be. Now, not every new project or opportunity is going to reveal a way to make an impact or to change the world. But when you practice the integrated priorities framework and you use it, and when that alignment does happen, the results are unbelievably powerful. And I want you to be able to experience that in your daily life. I want you to be able to have your heart come alive for you to find that passion, that purpose in your work that only you can bring forward. And this framework that I've outlined for you today is where you can begin. So if you're interested in using the integrated priorities framework, I have a whole course on it. You go much more deeply than I have today. I walk you through how to write it and I give you a number of other elements that help to unpack each of the four steps and we go even more deeply into it and look at more examples of it. I do that in my e-course, The Social Leader Essentials, which you can find at thesocialleader.org. I hope you'll check it out. It will give you everything that you need to begin your journey towards social leadership 
And it can begin with this integrated priorities framework. I hope you've enjoyed what I've unpacked for you today. I hope you'll take a minute after this podcast, grab a journal and begin to follow those four steps to write your integrated priorities framework and then begin to let all of that social passion connect with your daily life to close that gap so that together we can learn to lead with greater social impact. I look forward to seeing you next time on the podcast. Until then, be well.